welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise, kind of, and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And I'm very excited to announce that we have another special guest this week. Laura has come back to the show. How are you doing, Laura? Hello, I'm good. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, so we figured, you know, now was... There'd be no better time to bring in a guest considering everyone is just desperate for human contact amid this quarantine disaster. <laughs> and, um, you know, we do this podcast remotely. Liam and I are still in the same house, but social distancing is important. So he is upstairs in a different room and I am down here and we are ready to talk about what I think is a natural quarantine movie choice. It's the kind of thing where, you know, you're scrolling through Netflix and you're just like, what are we doing here? You know, Netflix, give me something good. Give me some options. And um, they've got a couple options. And one of the things they'll hit you with, with a big, bright title card is, To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You, which is directed by Michael Fiminari, which I might be pronouncing wrong, but if I am, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's also shot by Michael Fiminari, written by Sofia Alvarez and J. Mills Goodlow, with a story by Jenny Han based on her novel series to all the boys i've loved before netflix has made that movie already uh real quick i'll get into the cast it stars lana condor noah centineo jordan fisher anna cathcart amelia baranak sorry amelia madeline arthur trezzo mahoro holland taylor john corbett and sarah U. blue but before we get in before we get into the boys all the boys we can't start with all the boys so some of us are on work from home, quarantine, lockdown, nightmare times. And I just want to ask how everybody's holding up, what people have been doing to fill their time, whether or not your job is actually getting done in any meaningful capacity. Um, yeah, I'm lucky enough to get to work from home. And um, I'm actually pretty happy about it because I had a really long commute before, which I've been doing for like almost a year now. It adds up to like three hours a day terrible so yeah <laughs> it was terrible um so i'm actually it's pretty nice for me like a nice break um to work from home if i mean it would be nicer if all this like stuff wasn't going on because it's really scary <laughs> right yeah but just the working from home part has actually been like nice and i feel like i've actually been getting more done more like in terms of things I've been trying to do for like years just like within my own life and right. like organizing my stuff and then also actual work like there's a lot less distractions other than my little puppy oh. but yeah I'm I'm holding up it's been it's been a few days now and it's it feels more weird than anything like just kind of surreal and like it's I don't know like not really happening yeah. When you look at the news and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it is a weird time just kind of watching everything from your window. Yeah. What's the thing that you've gotten done so far these last couple of days that you're most excited about having finally finished? Oh my god. I so I have had this Polaroid camera for five years now. And I've like I have just a mountain of photos and I kept telling myself, like literally since I got it that I was going to scan them all someday and just like keep up to date with like scanning them and filing them into my, my um, uh, external hard drive and everything. And I just have never done it. I've <laughs> just talked about it for so long. And then I finally on the weekend did it. 
Oh. And it did not, it took about like an hour. That's not, I expected <laughs> you to say it took like half a day. No, I thought, <laughs> and I think that's the big reason why I never got around to doing it. Cause I was like, oh, it's such a huge task. It's going to take me days. And then I finally did it. And I was like, yep, I should have done that a really long time ago. Well, I'm glad that's done. I'm sure you got to go through a lot of like classic throwback kind of memories because that's like all of university would be in there pretty much. Yeah, yeah, all university. And then um, the summer I finished high school. So it was it was cool. It was nice. That sounds appropriately timed considering the movie we watched also being a very high yes, school ass experience. Um, and Liam, I guess I kind of know how you're doing. We're in the same house, but you know, for anyone who's not living with you at the moment how are you holding up dude uh yeah i'm good i'm good i uh you know this will be a bit dated because this podcast isn't going to come out for a week and by then it'll all have blown over i'm sure but uh <laughs> back to in normal the meantime, yeah uh in the meantime i uh am gonna start working from home a little later this week and i've been pretty anxious about it because i was one of those dudes in university who would go to the university library to write essays and stuff because i didn't want to be at home and I didn't want to uh, cross over my home time with my school time. I wanted them to be very separate. And so uh, I'm a bit anxious about bringing that stuff home. You know, there's like snack food around me and uh, my friends are around me. Uh, my bed is around me. And so it's good to know that Laura has, you found that there's less distractions um, and maybe it'll be that way for me too. You know, I'm going to try to be diligent and not sleep in and eat like teddy grams all the time there's a box <laughs> of teddy grams in my room right now that i'm looking at and they're looking pretty good man so i'm gonna do my best uh and i'm gonna do a lot of the netflix stuff you know i'll be watching a lot more movies like this i'm sure there's some reality shows on netflix that look pretty cool Love is blind. i got some guitar playing to do some book reading to do it'll it'll be nice you know if not for the uh the, all the people getting sick and dying and uh <laughs> losing their jobs and stuff if not for all of that this would be like pretty you know yeah i mean it, it'd be a great thing if it wasn't because something terrible was happening i i agree with that i think um my week's been kind of busted as liam can attest to because i just started a new job um last week and uh it's in like the news so the first day was like when everything really kind of exploded and then ever since, it's just been like a constant deluge of trying to get trained and all this other shit happening. So it's been real busy and um, I'm sleeping on Liam's couch and I'm one of the only people who has to still like go into work every day. Uh, so it's a weird time for me, but, you know, making the most of it. Um, I just spent a lot of time unemployed and in my house, not really doing anything. So I'm honestly kind of grateful to not be locked down in my house because i don't know what <laughs> yeah. i would be doing otherwise I'd... you did this quarantine thing for i did so it long for like already. six months and you know if that can warn anybody it's like you gotta you gotta make a routine now like while you're at home or else you're just gonna mm -hmm. wallow in it and it's gonna be like a bad time um so hopefully yeah. everybody listening is doing well is safe and feeling healthy and um one other thing in terms of quarantine talk that i feel like we ought to get into is um so you know it's it's great it's ideal it's like oh yeah i'm like rearranging my life and getting all my shit back together all oh, that's great but i think we we all know that we probably got some some movie watching that we want to get to while we're uh while we're stuck in these unfortunate circumstances so i'm just wondering what you guys are hoping to get to in terms of watch list stuff um while everything is a bit is a bit weird 
Mm, well, uh, I, I just have a massive list on my phone, you know, stuff going back years that I can't even remember because I put it down once and never thought about it again because if I had, maybe I would have watched it. So I want to get to all that stuff that I've completely forgot about. Uh, this last Friday was Friday the 13th, so I watched the first one of those and now I kind of got in my head that I want to watch that entire series. Uh, I got I got to finish Supernatural on DVD so I'll try to put a dent in that. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about all that stuff. What about you, Laura? Um, I've actually, yeah, I've been watching a lot of movies and similar to you, I have this huge list of movies that kind of have always been on my list, but I've either haven't been in the right mood to watch them or I haven't had enough time. And so what have I watched? I watched, I finally watched Melancholia which was great. And I did not know it was a movie about the end of the world. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but <laughs> I thought it was just about a bunch of sad people. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, but then I watched it and it was kind of like oddly comforting. I don't want to like, I guess I can't really finish my turn of thought without spoiling the whole movie. Um, spoiler warning for Melancholia. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I don't want to spoil it for you guys either, but if you haven't seen it, but anyway, um it's basically it's about this huge planet called melancholia which is on this trajectory to hit the earth and it's just the whole movie is just full of anxiety and like about this one sister who's kind of like dealing with it with just like horrendous anxiety like is just terrified of it and then the other sister is just so deeply depressed that she doesn't even care um and yeah it was great and it kind of was comforting in a way because I, I I watched it and I was kind of like, well, you know what? At least that's not happening. Right. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's not as bad as what if a planet named Sadness was going to kill us? Yes. We're not there exactly. yet. Exactly. That's my point. Right. I think yeah. that's. I, I appreciate the optimism. I think I can get behind that yeah. for sure. That yeah, might be the then... way to go in the quarantine. Just like not watch to all the boys have loved before because it's way too happy, and just watch like Requiem for a Dream and be like. Eh. At least everyone isn't addicted to heroin right now. <laughs> yeah, you got, exactly. you got, This is the opportunity to look at the bright side of otherwise very sad films. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting take, I think, for sure. Uh, I I have been sleeping a lot and not watching movies, but I'm hoping I have a giant like Criterion channel watch list and a big watch list on Canopy. I'm hoping to get through that. Um, but I've watched like two, got... two movies this week, and one of them was To All the Boys. P.S. I still love you, so... Not a ton going on. You mentioned Canopy, and I was like, I tried to go watch something on Canopy um, the other day. And so, I mean, obviously, we all graduated a year ago. And I used to get Canopy through um, our university's uh, library. Um, and I made an account on there. And for the past like year, it still worked for me and still recognized me as a student. But then I was like, yeah, now I have all this time to go through my Canopy watch list. And I tried to log on and it kicked me out. It knows I'm oh, not a student shit. anymore now. Um, yeah, I got in because my mom has a library card. So maybe ask your parents if they have like oh, public library cards. That's a good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Pro tip I'll for anyone listening. That. Ask your parents if they have library cards. <laughs> um, having fun isn't hard when you've got one of those. As, as our good aardvark <laughs> friend once told us. Um, so... I think I want to save getting into our personal high school experiences for later. I think 
maybe we should get into the personal high school experience of Laura Jean Covey in the movie To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You. And I keep saying that title because that title sucks. And I don't know why you called the movie that. Um, I realized that the book names um, don't include To All the Boys in all of the names. And I think those sound a lot better. Um, somebody yeah, just had a big car I- drive by. <laughs> That was my house. Sorry. No, it's good. It's yeah. really funny. I was just going to say, like, to all the boys, too, would have been fine. Just call it P.S. <laughs> I still love you. We know what Lana Condor looks like. Just put her That's on true. the art. And it's we fine. know the font. We know the font. It's a good font. I like th- I like the credits. I like how they look a lot. Me too. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, this is an ongoing series of Netflix movies that are based on a series of novels of roughly the same name and it's focusing on this uh this 16 year old high schooler also none of these people look like they're 16 i want to get that out of the way now i don't know why they're trying to play 16 when noah centineo looks like he's like 25 but um anyway, it's a decades old tradition man That's it really is the teen movie way it is and um I'll do a quick recap of the first movie because Netflix also gives us a quick recap of the first movie yeah i, loved that. Wait, I thought that was that, so wait hilarious. yeah can we talk about that first can we yeah. talk about the Netflixization of this movie series? Because at the end too, it says "play next episode," and it goes to Does play. It? it goes to play the first movie again, and yeah. So getting a recap and getting a movie where it picks off directly where the first movie ended, it just feels like TV. And Netflix leaning into that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It it absolutely felt like TV and. Uh... I don't think this movie feels a whole lot different from some of the teen TV series on Netflix. So I think it's uh, it's super intentional, but it it definitely caught me off guard. I had never really seen anything like that before. And to uh, capture an entire movie in two minutes, you know, it was nice for me because I didn't remember a whole lot from the first one. And so I appreciated it. Yeah, no, I had to read a plot synopsis um, even after the recap just to make sure I was like 100% ready with all the all the little details you know it's a real rich tapestry they've woven in uh into all the boys i've loved before but i thought yeah i thought that was really interesting but um yeah so we have laura jean covey who is you know high schooler um seems like she's not like one of the super cool really popular kids really but she's just you know getting by and she had written these love letters every time she gets a crush on somebody um but she never sends them for some reason, she does put them in envelopes and put the address on it and everything, but she doesn't send them. And um, her little sister, Kitty, gets this idea that she needs to send out these letters to those boys. And uh, as you can assume, uh, absolute chaos ensues. And um, she starts trying to navigate all these people getting weird, unexpected signals from her. And one of the people who gets it is like the really popular guy in school named Peter Kavinsky, who is dating her former best friend and they don't like each other anymore for a reason I can't remember. And um, anyway, Peter and uh, Jen, who is this former best friend of uh, Laura Jean's, they break up and then Peter gets this letter. So they decide for some reason that it's a good idea that they should pretend to date to get back at Jen for being shitty, I guess. And then uh, over the course of this fake relationship, they just fall in real love. And then heading into this movie, we get the solution to a bit of a cliffhanger, which is that there was five letters that got sent out. Um, we'd only seen the the reaction to four of them because uh, 
there was one guy named John Ambrose McLaren, who is not as close to this friend group as he was before. It sounds like he goes to a different school who writes back in response to the letter that he got. And then they end up doing some volunteering together and things get complicated with uh, LJ and Peter. I just said LJ. Oh my God. <laughs> and um, I'm in dude. And um, you know, we sort of see how they try to navigate managing all these different people's emotions and trying to figure out what you're trying to get out of another person in a relationship and all of that people experience growth. It's very nice. Um, but that's sort of the gist of it. So I know why Liam and I did this. It's because one time I came over and Liam was partway through this movie and I just sat down and watched the rest of it with him. So we felt like we had to do this, but Laura, what is your, did you watch the first one? Like, did you just sort of check it out when it got put on Netflix kind of thing? Yeah, I watched the first one right when it came out on Netflix with my uh, roommate at the time. I don't even remember. I don't even remember watching it. Like when I watched the second one, um, I obviously skipped the recap as I do with every time I watched. <laughs> every time I watch TV. <laughs> this recap is two minutes long. I'm about to watch a two hour yeah, movie, but I don't have the yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I watched the first one when it first came out. Um, I remember... I don't know if it's just because I was like really stressed out with school at the time. Um, but I, I just had no patience for it when I first, when I watched the first one and I honestly like about halfway through where I guess like three quarters through, I kind of like got a bit bored and I, I honestly don't even think I finished it the first one. Um, but yeah, thinking back on it now, I really enjoyed the second one. Um, Spoilers, but I basically, Sorry, that's a spoiler that <laughs> no, I enjoyed it's not. it. <laughs> We're gonna get to it in like five minutes. Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. Um, I'm just fucking cut that. <laughs> anyway, I so I basically the exact same thing happened when the second one came out. I was like, oh, it came out. It's on Netflix. Um, and I actually sat down with my boyfriend and we watched it together. Um, and I thought he was gonna complain more about it but he didn't we had we just had a fun time it was just a really fun ridiculous terrible thing to watch okay well i'm we'll dig into more of what you mean by terrible after but first <laughs> um liam i mean obviously i know what your watching your viewing circumstances were but like uh do you have any kind of real expectations coming into the second one what was your plan here <laughs> Well, sure. Uh, the reason I was watching the first one a year or two ago when that came out and Corey walked in on me is uh, because I, I just really love uh, teen comedies and coming of age stories. Um, even teen romances I'm okay with, but uh, not essential for me. But I just I see, saw that this was added to Netflix. I had seen a few people talking about it on Twitter um, and just said it was kind of a clever uh, teen movie that feels like it could be uh, this generation something or other and I thought that was really neat and so I put it on um, and man Laura I wasn't stressed out by school at the time and I absolutely had no patience for it I thought it <laughs> was oh my I thought it was abysmal this every single character graded on me so badly um, right from the very beginning because I, I watched about the first minute of the first one after finishing the second one because like Corey said it auto played and so I got to get reminded a bit of how I felt about that one and I just I think that it's just way too cutesy um, which is not really what I want from my teen movies and so Corey and I just 
really dug into this thing throughout the second half, Corey. Maybe you uh, have better memory. I was hoping to, uh... you had better memory because I was about <laughs> to say I barely remember what I thought about this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you that Corey and I both hated it. We we ripped on it the entire time. And that wasn't, for me at least, it wasn't just because I like had my bro there and so I can't like this teen movie. I was already way down on it by the time Corey walked in. And uh, the reason I decided to watch this one was because um, when I saw that it was on Netflix, I realized that I hadn't heard anyone talking about the first one at all since it came out. You know, people talked about it for a couple days and then it was gone. And I didn't hear anyone talking about this one in anticipation. And now that it was out, I heard no one talking about it. And so I thought it was interesting that this first one came out and seemed to be kind of this uh, teen touchstone. And uh, and now the second one was out and no one I knew was talking about it. Um and also, it's just that it's that idea of uh, this thing is on Netflix that I have all the materials. I've, I've prepped enough to watch it. You know, like you said, Laura, you, you've seen the first one. So if it pops up on Netflix, you just think, well, you know, why not? I've, I've seen the first one. And I think that's why this movie is going to get a lot of people is just whoever watched that first one very well just might click play on this one because you're at home. And you don't have much else to do. And uh, that's my experience with the, this movie also it's like it's not a huge commitment to just like decide in the moment yeah i'll watch this right now because it's like it's short it's an easy movie to watch it doesn't involve like a ton of like thinking and like complex emotions so yeah i think that's another thing of why like a lot of people will probably just turn it on is because it's just it's just easy to watch you know yeah um i like i said i don't really remember my experience with the first movie apparently i had a lot of fun making fun of it which i think is great um i come into this with i don't think to the same degree as liam but like an enjoyment of like the coming of age kind of thing and the the sort of like the high school movie and um i don't know i think everybody probably had a period where they're like i'm gonna watch all john hughes movies and you just got really into that for a while um so i'm I'm coming into it with that but i feel like i hit a point later in my teens or maybe like into my 20s where i decided that like those were like too much for me or they were like too sweet sometimes or just like, I don't know, too predictable or maybe I got too cynical. I don't really know what happened, but I hadn't watched any for like a while. So this is sort of my re-entry into the genre, so to speak. And um, I was curious to see how it was going to go. Um, when I initially put it on, I was extremely not in the mood to watch it. Um, I was trying to pack to come back here to come back to work. And I was annoyed about working when like a quarantine is on and, I had to try to fit it in. It was blah, 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 all this dumb shit. So like, I wasn't sure how I was going to end up responding to it just based on the mood I was in. And I knew that it had this like reputation for being kind of like saccharine almost and like too much at times for people. Uh, but I hadn't heard anything about this either. So I was definitely excited to get into it. So we may as well get into it here. Um, Laura... Why don't you mm-hmm. go into a little bit of what you thought about this movie? It sounds like you liked it more than the first one. <laughs> I liked, okay. I don't, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I didn't like, I don't know. <laughs> did you, you did you enjoy watching it, but not like it? I had fun. Yeah. I mean, like I don't, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it doesn't make, it doesn't feel like it makes sense to me to be like, this was a good or a bad movie. Cause it was fun to watch, but like, was it like, 
good. <laughs> I think I think fun can mean good without being That's like true. this is not like objectively cinema good. Like yeah. not, like they're not gonna yeah. put this in the Criterion Collection, but like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what I was gonna say, I definitely, I totally had fun watching it. I think especially because I was watching it with um, Pat, my boyfriend, and we just kind of spent the entire time just making fun of it, which is I think probably the best way to watch this movie as someone who is not a teenage girl anymore. Um, yeah. And then just back to what I was saying earlier, like it, yeah, I feel like it was just so, yeah, just so cutesy and like just dumb. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like I'm not about to roast it because it's obviously a movie intended for a teenage girl audience and i i think it doesn't really pretend to be anything more than that you know yeah for sure yeah so i think my that was your yeah, sort of big takeaway yeah uh, yeah okay. it's and like it was it's not much deeper than just kind of being a fun movie to watch sure and uh liam how about you what did you think about um the long-awaited sequel to to all the boys i love before <laughs> uh I it didn't make me as angry as the for first one did, but I think it's a less interesting movie um, because the first one had this gimmick behind it um, that kind of got me hooked in the first place. Is these letters that she's writing that get sent out accidentally? That's kind of a fun premise, and uh, while the characters uh, and getting used to them and getting introduced to them really bothered me. Um, this time around, I'm already introduced to the characters, so I, I know who I'm going to be hanging around with. So they didn't bother me as much there. I, I, I just was able to roll my eyes most of the time at, uh, at the things they're doing and saying. And then it doesn't actually have um, much of a a story to stand on it's, it's a lot more bland than the first one um it's kind of just a, a teen romance movie like every other one you're gonna see when you type in this movie on netflix they're gonna recommend a bunch of related films and uh i've seen a couple of those and they're pretty similar to this but uh i too had a nice time watching this with my significant other and uh laughing at it and um there, there's some specific stuff in it that really bothered me um and there's some specific stuff in it that I thought was actually pretty nice. So you add all that up and it's like a movie that I'm going to forget just as quickly as I forgot the first one. And I also don't think it is the kind of teen movie that teens are going to come back to when they're not teens anymore. I think it's cool that they have it to like tumble about nowadays and, and there's some like iconic scenes and characters that they're going to be able to latch onto. But I think as the years go by, this stuff is going to drift out of memory and be replaced by um, the few other teen movies from this era that are a bit more memorable. And, uh, you know, that that's my big takeaway. It's, it's, a, it's a Netflix movie that, uh, that was okay for an hour and a half in a quarantine, but I, I don't think it's good at all. Guys. Um, you're about to drag me so hard. <laughs> uh, I'm going to preface this, I guess, with I'm single and watched this by my goddamn self. Um, <laughs> but, but um, uh, you know, all things considered, I, uh, I loved this movie. I had a great fucking time with this movie. And not in a way where I felt like I was having fun by laughing at it. Um, I think I just liked it for real. <laughs> Um, I think it was just um, 
in a sense, sort of what I needed right now because it's very feel good and very cutesy and very sweet. Um, I was worried about it feeling too sweet and being like kind of grating, but I found that it was just sort of like, I don't know, heartfelt and nice and pleasant. I sort of recognized that part of it might have been this is what I needed right now because I was in like a bad mood and it was a pick me up. But I honestly enjoyed the movie, not just in terms of character. I feel like the characters in my memory anyway are a lot easier to deal with this time around. But um, it feels like it's like the gimmick in the first one is fun, but this one feels like it's grappling with like actual emotions real people have, which I thought was more interesting, like trying to navigate like especially because teens can be so like idealistic about like, I'm never going to hurt you. And this is what being 16 is, but like trying to figure out like, what if I feel like I have things for two people or how do I navigate other people's emotions without hurting people and without being like selfish and shitty. And I thought that like watching everybody get a chance to grow and, un and mature and understand those things better was honestly really nice and heartwarming. Um, I think a lot of the stuff around that, is window dressing at best like the shit with the dad and like whatever it's like eh, who cares but this like central thing of Lara Jean trying to figure this out and um I think the strength of the two the two supporting boys um as I'll call them uh I don't know it was really great I just like I just liked it a lot and I I can't I have to speak my truth on this podcast that's awesome Corey I wonder <laughs> I wonder how you would have felt if we watched it together. And I wonder if you watched that first one by yourself. I might you have liked it. Into it. Yeah. <laughs> this might just be like a pack mentality thing because could, Laura and I be. were both with someone. Well, and um, yeah. I also, I don't watch these movies, these kind of movies a ton. So maybe it's because I'm less like oversaturated with it that I can see this and be like, hell yeah, nice. Like, and just sort yeah. of appreciate it for what it's doing but even beyond just being like this is a movie for teen girls like as someone who's not a teen girl i feel as if it still kept me in like it's not like i ever didn't really know where it was going and some of it's like contrived to a hilarious degree um i'm thinking like why is she being given a dress you know why is it snowing when they're outside at the end shit like that where it's just like okay this is uh this is just to make me feel good and i'm aware of that but damn it it made me feel good anyway um, and if that's not what cinema is i don't know what it is <laughs> yeah that's interesting that um do you say that uh you're not like super super you don't have a ton of experience with coming of age movies because i'm kind of i'm more like liam where like coming of age movies specifically things about high school or like the transition from high school to university or whatever that's like my favorite genre and kind of always has been I've always just been like really fascinated with like really moody movies about teenagers just I real angsty teens yeah like specifically teenage girls but it's interesting like I'm trying I was trying to think of a way to put this but I think like there's a few ways that coming of age movies can kind of go and it's either like it can go like in a moody kind of depressing sad virgin suicides kind of way which is more of what i like and then it can also go in like the really kind of cute 
like super like overly feel good kind of way yeah um in the way that like this movie goes and then other things like the only other one i can think of is like the kissing booth okay like things like that um yeah so it's interesting kind of because i've been thinking about if i would have felt differently about this and if i would have like loved this if this was around when i was 16 it's possible yeah like yeah so i guess it'd be it'd be interesting to see what you guys were watching when you were 16 and like what you were really uh identifying with what kind of movie characters and stuff because i personally loved watching movies about high school when i was in high school and there's one there's one that just really sticks out with me which i thought was like the best movie ever and i bet if i watched it now i would be so embarrassed it's called the first time if you guys have seen it no i haven't haven't even heard of it really no yeah it's do you guys know um the tv show that was on i guess when we were all teenagers called teen wolf yes yeah it was like a a remake Mm -hmm. um there was one actor in it who everyone just kind of like loved i was really on like i was very much on tumblr i was very on tumblr (laughs) (laughs) i was i was very much a tumblr teen and anyway his name was dylan o'brien he's this actor and i know who that is yeah, yeah. So he he is in this movie, and so that's the only reason why I watched this movie. But I loved that movie. It's basically about like like these teenagers go to a party, and it's all about like sexuality and stuff. And there's like really like it's really it's really high schooly and kind of like cute. And so I loved that movie when I was in high school. And then I I'm kind of just thinking like if I watch that now, I would be like, this is so ridiculous. Yeah, but sometimes you do get movies for, like, a specific moment in your life, and then you're like, cool, got it. Yeah, and then you can, that's true. you can grow up and, like, move on, but it still was, like, important then. Um, and I think that's totally fine. Um, I'm very curious to know what kind of stuff Liam was watching at 16 and how that compares to what this movie is. Mm, yeah, I wasn't watching this movie. Uh, I also loved high school stuff in high school because I was very aware of the fact that one day I would be looking back fondly at high school and I would be longing for it again. And so I um, I was super into like reading about 30-year-olds high school experiences and um, and trying to make sure that my high school experience was one I could... Uh, look back on and know I did a lot of cool things and so I I loved coming of age movies that were older people making the movies and um, wrestling with the heavier stuff of childhood and not just trying to idealize it and so um, stuff like uh, Stand By Me, Mean Creek, um, Lime Life, The Spectacular Now, those are all movies that uh, deal with some heavy subject matter, but uh, through a teenage lens. And that was the stuff I dug. Um, and so I, I would never have watched this movie as as a teenager and liked it, I think. Um, I, I definitely would have put it on because like, I, I also watched stuff like uh, The Fault in Our Stars because it, it, Hell starred, yeah, brother. <laughs> it starred high schoolers. And um, and I thought that was kind of cool. Um and I I didn't like it, but I watched it all the way through, and um, I, I didn't want to rip on it or anything. Like I, I I liked it just for being a teenage movie. Um, so it movies like that just have such a 
a fond place in my heart. And so um, just by default, like I think I think they're they're all right. And so I think that was why the first to all the boys movie really bothered me was because now I wasn't a teenager anymore. And so even more so, I wanted adults to make movies about being a teenager that um, confronted things head on and uh, didn't didn't just put something on screen that would be put in front of a teenager that would like make them feel uh, worse about themselves for not living a life with like a b- bunch of hot boys and uh, pretty sets and um, and uh, characters that don't speak like real people. I've been thinking a lot while we're talking about this here that um, like I'm trying to grapple with just how idealistic this movie is and how Mm -hmm. like prim and like perfect it is like lj's life seems pretty sick like you know they seem really well off she's got like a great room with great decoration she's got good caring friends and like hot popular boyfriend like so i i guess it's worth considering how that might affect an audience member that sees that and resents it because in their high school experience that's just not how their life's going but I also think that there's value to be had in the movie that swings so hard toward the feel good that everyone just kind of has a good time with it. And you're like, yeah, this seems great. And it's not real life at all. You can probably pull some lessons from it about how they're sort of trying to learn how to deal with their emotions that are still relevant. Um, And when I was younger, these are just not the kinds of movies I was watching. Like I said, that was not a joke. I did have a weekend where I just watched all of John Hughes's movies, but that was about as far <laughs> deep as I got into that. And I will say I fucking loved those. Um, aside from that, it wasn't something I was super into. Like I was getting later into my teens, kind of into like older, like quote unquote, like classic kind of cinema, but not like forties classic. Like, I don't know. I, wa- I was watching like all like the Mad Max movies and like, that kind of thing and i think i hit a point where i was probably too cynical to see this kind of movie and enjoy it um but i find that as i've gotten older and this is something i've talked about with like both of you on different occasions i'm like trying to be more open to things that aren't considered like something i'm the target demographic for or just like liking stuff if i like it and that being fine um, or not being like cynical or feeling like, oh, well, I can't like this thing because that's not quote unquote for me. So I think this might be a moment where I'm just letting myself like something, which I think is great. Like I can recognize that like some of it's dumb um, for sure. Some of it's really weird and half the movie looks like a commercial, but damn it, it was the commercial movie I needed right now. <laughs> that's awesome, Corey. I'm yeah. really glad. <laughs> um but I think we we can get into the nitty gritty here a bit. Um, I think what I want to talk about is, um, I think obviously the performances that you get here are really important because they're what bringing these characters to life. And sometimes the characters might be a little underwritten or written in a way that, um, like Liam is saying, like doesn't feel real. So I'm wondering how we feel about like that core triangle dynamic of uh, Laura Jean peter kavinsky and john ambrose how did we how did that hit everybody you go laura um i mean do we want to go into which team we're on yet we can i was gonna ask so like yeah because i was i kind of feel like just because of how much people um 
I know you, Liam, have said that you haven't seen too many people talking about this online, and maybe it's different because um, I'm obviously female. Oh, wait, can, I, can <laughs> um, I guess? Can I guess? Guess what? What team I'm on? No, like what? Because you're saying like the response online. Can I guess what team the internet was on? Oh, yeah, I think anyone can guess. I feel like the internet was definitely team John Ambrose, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. As but is he's any written to be person. that guy. Like, <laughs> he yeah, was created so was thinking, to be that guy. Yeah. So what I was kind of thinking is like the amount of people who are kind of talking about that and like being on whatever team. I'm like, this is like this upcoming generation of teens. It's their Jacob or Edward. Mm, my girlfriend said the exact same thing. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it is. And I don't know what like if you guys were team jacob or team edward or if you even gave a shit i'm a retroactively but... team edward for what it's worth oh okay me too me too i never read the books or anything but i i, I genuinely for some love reason. the movies i don't know why i read the books but i read them all yeah you know what i think a lot of guys maybe i like teen think, stuff actually. more than i'm giving myself credit for if i read all the yeah. twilight books yeah anyway what i was gonna say is i'm the internet is obviously team john ambrose so am i um what about you guys? Liam, you go. Um, dude, I just, I don't think they're that different. Like, uh, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if I could pick a team because I think, uh, I think they're both just kind of like, um, pleasant dudes that aren't doing a whole lot wrong, but are also like kind of dumb. <laughs> I don't think John Ambrose comes off with a dumb vibe, but I think he's very much written to be like the the guy that is so good you're just friends with him you know what i yeah. mean like and so i get that that's why that works out i i uh i want a devil's advocate throw my hat in the ring for team kavinsky here um but i want to acknowledge that like at face value it's like yeah john john ambrose seems like if those two fictional characters <laughs> were like and i was making a choice it's like well john ambrose seems like the nicer guy obviously but I think that there's something to be said for the fact that we see um, Laura Jean and Peter like working through what they're doing with each other and trying to navigate this thing. And I feel like the movie illustrates at points how they bring out different sides of each other um, and that they're sort of growing together while trying to figure this out. And that makes me want to see Team Peter because... Um, they can make it work. The movie is them making it work. And I think that they come out at the end better for it, for having stuck through that and not just like having given up. So I'm into that. Like, I thought that was nice. It does feel bad that John Ambrose just kind of gets like used a bit for LJ to have a realization about something, which feels mean to him. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like the movie doesn't grapple sufficiently with like how hard that dude gets thrown under the bus. Like, yes. Hey, it's snowing outside. I'm going to kiss you and then run to my boyfriend sucks. Um, uh, yeah. but then they fly away into the sky and it's very cute I like it so whatever <laughs> um, yeah I totally do not feel like that at all I think Peter is so boring and so lame and just like a little he's just kind hearted uh, jock he's kind hearted jock I just I don't think he's that kind hearted that's he... what they're going for then at the very least is kind hearted jock I guess so I don't know everyone's I guess an idiot so. when I you're just like, years old that's true I just think he's a, a dink maybe I just well I mean I don't disagree, but I also think it's nice that he's trying as hard as he's trying. That's <laughs> um, true. And I think that based on what the movie shows us, 
John Ambrose does seem like a very caring, nice guy, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean just because people in your life are caring and nice doesn't mean you need to like stop what you're doing and date them. So I think like there's probably more that they can get out of the relationship if it's Peter and Laura Jean than the alternative. Um, especially because like, that doesn't mean, you don't have to stop being friends with John Ambrose. Dude can hang out if he wants. I mean, you kind of fucked him around, but like, um, and I don't know. I mean, just look at Noah Centineo's big goofy smile. I don't know. It's good. Yeah. I think also, I mean, I think part of the reason why my opinion is swayed is because I think John Ambrose is just so cute. Yeah. No, I get it. And I'm not, I'm not into, I'm not into Noah Centineo. See, I wasn't when I watched the first movie and now I'm like, maybe I get it. Like, I think I just, I think I just can't stand Noah Centineo. And that's fine. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, no, absolutely that, not that, Team Peter. That, that must be it, because we got to remember that in the first one, John Ambrose wasn't in it. And so, like, the whole world that was watching this movie, I mean, um, the whole world was like Team Peter. Because you had to be. Because you had to be. And now that there's someone else, it's just like, it's this dude who grew up in a different school. And so uh, he kind of, like, is a bit different. Like, he wears suits and he's like kind of classy and shit but he's still like i i think they're both just like kind of like nice good-hearted uh pleasant dudes um i don't think either of them are are shitty which is like kind of uh um refreshing yeah i like that they're both nice peter fucks up but he's compassionate about it like i i guess so i kind of like everything's just a misunderstanding like he's never malicious it's like I kind of disagree, though. Not that he's malicious, but, like, I don't know. Like, when, so I'm thinking of um, when they're, like, when they're by the bus and she's, like, you knew that she, like, shot this video or whatever and you didn't tell me, um, like, to protect her. And then he's, like, no, I was protecting you. It's, like, that is so stupid. <laughs> I mean, 16-year-old boys are stupid. Exactly. Like, I think I think John he Ambrose says that. did not say that. John Ambrose wasn't there. Um, you got a good point. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if John Ambrose would say that. I think I, think I don't Laura's think he would either. Point. I don't. I don't want to make clear. Like I'm largely playing devil's advocate. I think it's pretty pretty blatant that John Ambrose <laughs> is like a better guy. However, I think that within the fiction of the movie, it works that it's still Peter. Um, yeah. Based on what they've established, and I do think that even that aside, like maybe that's a shitty reason. Um, it pretty clearly is, but you know, if that's something they're prepared to work through and talk about, like they are with other things that they're doing, I don't see that being a huge problem that's as long true. as dude can recognize that that was fucked up. Because yeah, that video thing is complicated too. But then when people are like, "How hey, we caught you with her," and he's like, "Actually, I was helping her work through her parents' divorce," and it's like, "Well, I can't really begrudge you that. Like, <laughs> you're just trying to be nice." Like, um. And this is what I mean about the emotions in this movie being complicated. Um, (laughs) But even then, they're both so sweet. And that might honestly, like, I appreciate it now because I don't think this is the kind of movie that would deal well with, like, uh, either of them being terrible. Um, No. So I I appreciate it on that front. But when I was a kid, I, I liked movies where, like, teens were, like, being awful to one another and, like, like literally murdering each other and stuff. And so when it turns out that they're like, just like both super sweet, it kind of feeds into the, uh, the idealization of guys in teenagehood that I, I don't really get behind. Yeah. I think that's a pretty predominant thing in this movie. And it was something I was kind of 
like hyper aware of like this is they go to the kind of high school that has an acapella group on valentine's day like oh god that i actually okay i did say i liked this movie and i say that without a hint of irony i fast forwarded that that i could not do oh i loved those parts uh the singing yeah oh i skipped yeah. that fuck that dude. i thought i thought both song choices were awesome and i thought they <gasps> sounded really nice yeah i have i okay so in my notes i have a big thing that just says bad circled in capital letters and then it says ocean eyes cover bad i hate it oh man <laughs> that's really funny. i'll go to bat for billy eilish i would too wait and what song why... got covered what song is this Ocean Eyes what by is Billie that? Eilish. Never heard it. Am it's I out of the great loop? song. Great song. Is, I love Billie Eilish. Song. So should I go yeah. listen to Billie Eilish's version and not this one? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, That's why I have beef with it, because I was just like, oh, it, it was just so topical, I feel like. <laughs> that I was, it was like, too much. I liked that they were using it because I like the idea that Billie Eilish is like so huge that um, that her song is like a song that people can just Already. serenade people with the same way that I want it that way can be used like an iconic love song. I, I love that she's up there with the Backstreet Boys now. I just that's I thought true. It was so pleasant. That's true. That's fair. Shout out to Billie yeah. Eilish. That's but like, fair. am she, I going to listen to Billie she does, but like, am I gonna listen to Billie Eilish's version or the acapella version? I think it's gonna be Billie Eilish every time, you know. I didn't. Yeah. It, it was. It was just kind of neat to see it in there for a minute, you know. Of uh, yeah, while, while totally talking, fair. While we're talking about the music, I also have a giant note. I typed my notes this time. Uh, it's in bold and in italics, <laughs> um, and it's in all capital letters. And um, I want to preface this with this was an, a needle drop to me. Like they started playing a song and it didn't make any sense to me why they played it. Uh, but I just wrote down, oh, no, not a Claro needle drop. That's going to make me cry. Mm. <laughs> um, I was That's not expecting funny. to hear that song. And I was like very caught off guard by it. That's funny. Uh, and then how uh, did. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> How did you guys feel about the music in this movie in general? Most because of it, it sucks. Is, it's very prominent. I just think a lot of it sounds like a commercial. Yeah, I think like it was kind of so bad that it was good. Like it's just great euphoric coming of age movie music where they're riding in a car like just at its finest. Um, so I think like it, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad, but it was also kind of like. It was exactly yeah, the kind of bad it needed to be. Yes, for what this movie is. Yes, the only yeah, the only two things that I have beef with is the Ocean Eyes cover, of course, as I've just went on a rant about, and then also the Age of Consent cover pissed me off. Wait, what? The Age of Consent cover. Are these the, the two Order song? songs? I just skipped these. No. no, 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 no. Age of Consent was a song they just played later on. I missed that completely. It's when she's baking, like she's baking the the strudel thing or whatever that's called, turnover, and right. they play. They started playing it, and I was like, "Oh my god, they're oh. playing Age of Consent!" And I then just it's missed, like I missed, a bad cover of it. I missed that. That's what that song was. I don't know. Maybe I was too distracted by her like Claire Saffitz ass baking outfit. But um, <laughs> she has like the most perfect kitchen in the goddamn world. It's ridiculous, and she's got this uh -huh. apron with frills. It's out of this world. <laughs> It's too much yeah. movie. Um, I think this whole movie could really be summed up in the sentence, this is contrived, but I'm here for it. 
Like it's it's true. I mean, yeah, you either just <laughs> gotta be there for it or not. Like when it comes to the music, I just I thought it was so obnoxious. I watched this with subtitles, and so every time a movie came on, it said the the song title and um and the band name. And I think that's like pretty common practice for subtitles. But the fact that just like every two three minutes there was a different band name and song popping up, I just it really bothered me that the whole thing has to be scored with like a prominent song it is very commercial uh ask like you say Corey. and at the same time you know i can't suggest that this movie have like some uh original menacing score to it or something right. because that's not the kind of movie it is you yeah. know and so uh it's uh, it either works for you or it don't yeah well and i think um i think like the production design and the way the movie's shot and presented sort of plays into that too like there are full ass sequences that kind of feel like a commercial if not for like a car, then for like some other shit, they just feel like you could clip it out and like slap a brand on it. And there you go. Um, But one thing I want to talk about with how the movie looks is uh, Liam. I talked about this with you already, but um, the director of this movie uh, typically works as a cinematographer. Uh, This is his first like major directing credit and he'll also be directing the next movie. But um, his other cinematography credits, his most prominent ones are The Haunting of Hill House, Doctor Sleep, and Gerald's Game, uh, which are not this movie, that's for sure. And um, I thought it was interesting that um, I picked up on something feeling similar to that without being able to put my finger on what it was because I didn't know who he was. Um, but there's something about how symmetrical the movie is like lots of things are blocked off or square or people will be like parallel or perpendicular to one another in straight lines. And something about that I found like was really able to draw me in. There's a lot of points where um, I felt like you'd get a lot of like soft focus in the background. So you were really able to just kind of focus on what you're looking at and the people that you're dealing with. But then that's juxtaposed with like drone shots of a car that just look like an ad. So it's this weird push and pull of like some of it I thought looked like really visually interesting especially with the set design which is just like rich person's house but like it looks nice but um then it was juxtaposed with this other weird shit that didn't always work um before i get into the main editing thing that i liked i guess i'll see what you guys thought about just how the movie kind of looks and feels sure yeah i'll take this one uh first i i hated it dude i hated the way this movie looks um i think it it's, it's it's super cool that the cinematographer for this was is like Mike Flanagan's uh, cine- cinematographer and he's done all these things that I love so much Gerald's game Dr. Sleep Haunting of Hill House love those things love the way they and you're right it's a lot of straight lines it's a lot of symmetry um, very square framing and in this movie I just it really bothers me because um, when you're when you're in a horror movie world it's okay for things to feel uh not like not like a real not like real world it it feels a bit more surreal and eerie when things are blocked off like so uh strategically and um and uh deliberately but in this, this movie it made it so hard for me to connect with the characters because every single scene uh, and shot just it, it looked like a place that I could never be in myself, you know, not just in terms of the set and like the fact that these people have a lot of money, but it just, it didn't look like I'd be able to walk into the frame and talk to these people. And I think in a coming of age movie where you're trying to have like uh, teenagers talking to each other about things that teenagers go through, I'd like to see it uh, 
look like the kind of uh, place that the teenagers I've known throughout my life could actually be. And, you know, even uh, even teenagers who live in places like this, it's it's just so off-putting to see it framed in uh, like a Google commercial sort of way. Um, every time they showed food from like overhead and like it's uh, it was three or four times there would be someone baking or eating and it's this shot of dinner on a plate like uh, gradually going away in these jump cuts. It it just looks like an ad that plays before a YouTube video. And I, I thought the whole thing was just so uh, grating and obnoxious and it like gave me a cavity. What about you, Laura? Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. I thought like just the way it looked just kind of made the whole movie all the more unrelatable. Um, because of like exactly the reasons that you said it just like nothing I've ever seen in real life ever has looked like that um and yeah I just totally agree with what you said I actually think the um the shot you're talking about um with the jump cuts and the food kind of disappearing with the the conversation over it I thought that was kind of cool um but yeah just like everything everything was a bit too perfect to the point where it was just like this just absolutely totally does not feel like it's anyone's real life. I think I think I liked it because of that reason. And I know the relatability is important and that this sort of kneecaps some of the relatability. Uh, I think that it feels pretty clear to me that when everything is so bright and colorful and like nice, that um, that kind of cinematography was chosen i think because it's considered just like to be like quote unquote aesthetic like it doesn't really mean anything but it's just like it's pleasant to look at because like it's straight and like symmetrical and proportional um so i think removed from the movie's context i think it looks pleasant or it can um but i don't disagree with what you guys are saying um i think that those are all perfectly valid (laughs) criticisms of how the movie looks um, yeah, I will say, you know, you know dude, oh, you, know, you know how like at some uh, restaurants they put MSG in the food because like it makes your taste buds open up and it just it makes things taste better. I think the, the way this movie is shot, it feels like MSG where it's just like it's going to slather this this uh, this stuff that like looks pleasing on top of a movie that I think is like pretty basic and bland and it just it makes it seem like there's uh there's more good going on than there actually is maybe that just means i like msg then yeah maybe (laughs) (laughs) um because like i find myself kind of at a loss to like disagree with a lot of this but i mean i still liked it um one thing that i liked a lot and this was a weird choice for the movie to make um when laura jean has like doubts in her head and she's thinking about what other people think they physically appear in the room and that was very cool and i thought that was a unique way to just embody her internal anxiety instead of just giving us narration that's just oh boy i sure feel meh it's like oh no jen is in your room or she's in the back Mm -hmm. of this jeep and she is talking shit like (laughs) He, he must have picked that up from working on gerald's game maybe that's where it came from does it happen in there Oh yeah, Gerald's game is 
all about this woman who is uh, handcuffed to a bed because her husband, who she had just been having sex with, dies on the floor and she's in a cabin and uh, she's all alone in this room. And so the movie is just her lying on a bed. And so in order to get around that, Mike Flanagan has her dead husband appear and talk to her as if he's in the room in order to vocalize her thoughts. And uh, oh, yeah, he, prob- he probably pulled it from there. I think it works. I think it's really it's cool. Um, the first time they did it, it was mildly disorienting because it was in her bedroom and it wasn't 100% clear if he was there or not. But then yeah, yeah, it I was John that. Ambrose like in the room and then it's like, oh, well, now Peter's also here. So they're probably not both here. But um, once I figured out what they were doing, I thought that was kind of neat. I suppose, but I, I I didn't manage to develop past the point of confusion that you had initially where uh, her imagine, uh, her imaginary boyfriend's didn't seem to be behaving that differently from how they would normally behave. So I just, I didn't think the writing was there enough in order to make the scenes interesting beyond a visual sense. Again, I agree. However, I'm still here. Um, I also think that it's neat. Um, it gets like mildly uh, like fantasy at points. Um on the one hand, I like how the movie is broken up into segments and there's like a banner in the high school that like titles the next like important thing that's happening. I don't think structurally that's a meaningful thing that they did, but like visually it's like, oh, that's cute. But um, there are moments where people like take off into the sky, <laughs> like the end of the movie where they're just like in such a euphoric embrace that they literally fucking take off that um, <laughs> again, I'm just going to I'm just going to go look at the note that I wrote down which was they float away ah that's so cute <laughs> i feel like i feel so bad Corey. like i feel like no, just, everything no, drag that, everything me Be, drag you, me <laughs> everything that you liked about this movie i was like come on no hang on it's so important i want to make this clear i i also think that but i still love it like, come on, this is That's dumb. Fair. But, like, literally at the end, Peter shows up at that volunteer ball for some reason. I don't know why. Because I guess she doesn't like to drive in the snow and it snowed. So we just went, even though they were broken up. And what mm-hmm. I decided to take my note down is just, I wrote, Peter is just here. That's what I call movie making. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm cognizant of, like, what it is I'm dealing with. But, um, I still, I'm still down. And, uh. I don't know. I do think that teens can probably get something valuable out of the experience of watching it, even if it's just to feel good after and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah that was nice. But I also think that um, I I didn't read this review because I try to not read too much of other people's thoughts before we talk. But the the tag from the New York Times review said something to the effect of uh, like it. This movie asks the questions that John Hughes movies tend to stop at which is I'm assuming what they mean by that is like the, okay, so they got together and then what happened or like, okay, so the breakfast club became friends and then what happened? Um, so I appreciated the movie taking it and being like, it didn't do the, the fault in our stars thing. Um, I don't know why all of us were teens and liked that so much. Cause in hindsight, that thing sucks. But I hated that movie when it, I, I didn't the see book. the movie. Like, I, I read the book and, but like, even now yeah. I think the book probably is great, but um, it doesn't do that thing where it's like, it's just so ideal and perfect and whatever. Whereas here it's at least like, you know, she has to weigh 
her options and understand like how is she feeling about people and how do those feelings ripple out and affect other people how do the way other people feel about this impact her and it's something that i think teens can have a kind of myopic or like selfish worldview of like how is this about me so if a movie wants to say like hey think about other people happily ever after is hard but if you like want to work at your shit and do something and keep other people in mind i think that works i did they do say at the end i think they say like hurt is the real happily and like happily ever after can fuck off and like sometimes they'll get hurt but you gotta like risk it all you gotta know when to hold them no one to fold them and uh i wrote down uh, way to grow <laughs> so this is just people <laughs> growing you know you gotta learn these things sometimes yeah that is fair that is i guess yeah like hearing your side of it is nice to see them my like actually work through work through the fact that relationships are hard yeah i like that it it's or can weird, be because it, it doesn't peel back the veneer visually visually this is exactly the kind of movie that says all relationships are easy and perfect but i appreciate that it's trying to do something something i don't know if maybe it's more pronounced in the book obviously have not read it but yeah um and that was that was my favorite parts of the movie when it did feel like they were grappling with uh how these saccharine, beautiful human beings are actually going to get along um, when their personalities clash. And so my two favorite scenes in the movie um, was when Peter and Laura Jean are talking in the car. It's about, Laura uh, Jean. Whether or not they're going to have sex. <laughs> I'm sorry. And um, the scene outside of the treehouse where they're talking about why uh, Laura Jean didn't... Uh, uh, tell john ambrose that her and peter were dating i thought that stuff like th it threatened to be interesting i still think that some of the writing there is like you know it, it doesn't it, it doesn't all of all of a sudden become like uh they the, the writers know exactly what they're doing and they finally a movie that asks the question what if i were interested <laughs> yeah but it it teases with it and i thought some of that stuff they said in the car um about you know 16 year olds discussing if they should have sex and uh I, I thought that stuff was kind of cool. I just, I, I wish that there was more of that in the movie um, because I think John Hughes movies end when they do because uh, that's like, that's where the interesting stuff kind of ends and because we have so many movies about people being in relationships. Um, and so I don't actually need to know that the Breakfast Club doesn't get along that well unless, um, unless in a library. We're, yeah. <laughs> unless we're gonna yeah. get a movie where it's like um no it's uh no i lost that point but yeah i just i think that um <laughs> you gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them laura uh, and i i think that um just a movie that is no fuck it you take it laura i'm bowing out <laughs> jesus take the wheel dude yeah <laughs> I can't even remember what we were talking about. Yeah, what what um, do you, what do you think oh. about the thing I said three minutes ago before I fucked <laughs> oh. up? <laughs> um, I actually no, I definitely agree with you, Liam. About this, I really thought the scene when they were in the treehouse, like kind of packing stuff, and she's like throwing things down to him. I thought that was definitely the most interesting scene, and I was kind of like, okay, like here we go, <laughs> and then it just kind of went somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I definitely, I definitely get what you mean about kind of getting there kind of starting to veer into somewhere that's like interesting and complex um and then not quite yeah 
I don't. Th I don't think it's um, it sticks the complexity landing, but yeah, yeah. But I think I agree that I, I wish there were more scenes like that. There were a few. Another one that I can think of that I thought was interesting, um, and I think like now being someone who's been in a long term relationship. I mean, I know their relationship's not really long term at that point, but <laughs> uh, like going through that, um, like myself, whereas I hadn't in high school, is kind of like those kind of scenes appeal more to me now because i'm like oh that's kind of the parts of a relationship which aren't that nice to see like on screen don't really make you feel that good to see but there's still parts of it so i thought that was interesting um and the other yeah the other scene that i'll mention is uh when laura jean is telling um peter that she got that letter from john ambrose and he's kind of like um, like, are you asking me for permission, um, like, to answer him and stuff? And they're just kind of, like, going through this awkward, like, stage of not knowing kind of how to communicate and navigate um, this new relationship. So I thought that was interesting. And I, I definitely agree that I wish there was there was more of that. Um, one thing that I guess, like, I'll say, the storyline, which I, I hate, and I hated in the first movie, is the stupid... Like the, the bitchy kind of rivalry between Lara Jean and Jen, because that's just such a it tired really make sense trope. Here. It's just it does not need to be there. It's such a like, it's I find it like quite boring and like just not original at all. And you just totally like expect it from every teen movie, and it's just I just don't find it interesting at all. And like I find it pretty annoying as well. Like storyline conflict of like um Laura Jean who's obviously like like virginal and then Jen who's meant to be this like like slutty mean girl like I just I just think that's a dumb storyline and I didn't like it in the first movie this one yeah um I I agree with that completely I think it's one of those things where it's like you know it'd be radical for a movie to just have like I don't know female friendship in it like <laughs> maybe give that one a try um <laughs> I, yeah. I think, too, that um, it is unfortunate that for every scene that um, is like when they're talking about the letter when she gets it or in the in the car about sex and they're like having back and forth and they're like fumbling with weird analogies to try to get at what the other person's talking about. Like the the jumping off a cliff thing made me laugh. <laughs> um, it's like, <laughs> so if you ever decide to jump off a cliff, that's a big deal but I would like to go with you was funny. But um, it does suck that for like every moment like that, there's like that one where they're in the aquarium and she like gives the necklace back. And that scene doesn't suck because they're not communicating and it would be solved by communicating because in real life, people don't always communicate, but it feels like it's undercutting everything else because it's such a stark contrast between people who are like, curious and insightful in some scenes and in other scenes just refuse to do anything um which is mildly frustrating because you want them to just like fucking talk it out and then sometimes you get that and sometimes you don't i guess that that's like the nature of narrative conflict is like it's easier to do when people don't talk it out but um it would have been nice to see more i don't know if it would make for as easily marketable a movie but one that is more about those two together sort of working through like stage by stage like how you navigate that kind of thing 
Um, but I'm sure that's that's a mm-hmm. much harder thing to market. <laughs> so maybe they'll go for it with the third one, man. I think it's coming out pretty soon. Yeah, it's called To All the Boys, Always and Forever, Lara Jean. <laughs> that's yeah, so I'll... long. It's so long. So the book titles are just the subtitles. So it's like To All the Boys I Loved Before, and then P.S. I Still Love You, and then Always and Forever, Lara Jean, which together kind of makes a sentence, which is yeah. great. They should just do that. Um, Why they're not doing that and they felt like they needed to franchise tag it, I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know, but it makes it eligible for our podcast. It does. So so thank you for that. Thank you, Netflix, for making this eligible for our podcast. I I think um, before I I do this last sort of transition, I want to make sure that there's nothing else in the movie that we glossed over that anyone thinks is like super important. No, I would just sound like an asshole. No, not really. I appreciate your your um, respectability and not dunking on the movie unnecessarily. Thanks. Um, yeah. Anything, the Laura? Only, the only closing statement, I guess I'll say, if that's what we're doing now. Um, I was going to uh, ask real quick if you want to save the closing statement just about how this compares to like what we felt our high school experience was like. Oh, okay. Okay, I guess I'll just add one more thing then. Please, yeah. It won't be my closing thing. Now that we've like kind of talked about it and I'm thinking about the parts of the movie that were about Lara Jean and Peter trying to navigate through this relationship that's new for them and trying to figure out and realizing how hard it actually is to communicate with someone mm-hmm. on like a really deep level. Now I'm kind of like, you know what? Maybe, maybe team Peter isn't looking so bad. Yo, welcome to the party, <laughs> dude. Welcome to team Peter. <laughs> Can I be both? No, you can't be both. You can be both, Laura. They're not. They're not that different. You can be both. You can rotate. That's true. <laughs> anyway, that, that's my that's my revelation. Well, I'm glad if nothing else, um, I could help Team Peter get a couple more. <laughs> we'll have to see where we stand after the after the third one. Who knows which boys yeah, will be introduced? We have there. to. We have to. We have to wrap this up now when the third movie comes out. Mm-hmm. Big statement. Um, but yeah, I was I was curious about sort of... I don't want to feel like anybody has to go into like how it compares to what their relationships were like in high school. Because that can be a weird thing for people. But just sort of like we've said so much about how none of this feels like, like real life. Um, so I'm just wondering like, does any of this feel like real high school? Is this just movie high school? Did any of it like connect on a more personal level than just whatever it's trying to do or is it very truly just this is a high school movie about a high school that doesn't exist uh probably the latter um i think that even in the moments where these characters are talking in a way that interests me um in the car scene and after the treehouse and in the hallway about the letter um i don't remember having conversations like that i think Unfortunately, teenagers are a lot more, uh, they don't talk things through all that often. Um, And so even those moments that I liked, it it felt like an adult writing something um, where these teenagers are kind of getting to the core of the situation, but it's not in a way that these characters would actually talk about. Um, And when I was a kid, I really... um, loved teen movies that showed something 
that wasn't exactly my experience because um, I did like to imagine that I was uh, someone that was not in the high school I was in. You know, I loved the American high school with like a big football stadium, uh, lots of bleachers and busy packed hallways and clicks and stuff. I, I thought that stuff was all really fun. And so I still like movies that have that. But this movie, it feels like it's riding a line between... Um, portraying a high school that didn't exist to me um, and I have a hard time believing actually exists but also and that and that stuff comes from you know the the writing of the characters I don't feel like these characters have known each other for a long time um, and uh, there's that line between a high school that doesn't feel like it actually exists but it also has these moments where it wants the characters to feel real as as if you can relate to them and i just um i think it it falls too far on either side and they weren't able to strike a place in the middle that feels like um either something that's so wacky that i'm gonna enjoy it you know like teen sex comedies uh american pie and stuff like that um or like euro trip where you're just getting into wacky antics and set pieces and then it also doesn't feel like a uh a stand by me or a mean creek where it's just kids uh kind of fumbling around with situations that are too mature for them and still trying to figure out how they do that as teenagers so i think that's why it didn't really strike a chord with me yeah i think like for me i didn't really relate to this at all in terms of my high school experience and i think the reason for that is this movie does deal with a bit more complex emotions than the first one but even when it does it's at like a very surface level i found and i kind of found like that wasn't really relatable because at least when i was a teenager you feel or i felt things just so deeply as a teenager and just was so emotional and as i think most teenagers are and i just feel like this movie just didn't really capture that that well um like i think like she cries like she sniffles a little bit at the end but i think like if this for instance were happening to me like just all these things like it would just be so emotional <laughs> i'd be crying all the time as a teenager and like one of the specific moments i can think of that like would have been a really really big deal to a teenager but was just not like not really focused on at all um in an emotional way in the movie was uh when they're going to the volunteer sign up and then uh lara jean runs into jen and jen just says something like, like just so mean about like like if you want to fit into your jeans order a salad or something yeah and like and then they just don't do, go anywhere with that like doesn't even really like react to it or like doesn't like ruminate on it at all and i like just speaking as someone who like was a teenage girl like if someone had said that to me like i would have that for like months and like that would have just affected me so much and it just kind of yeah i think this movie's fun but it doesn't really get at like the real depth with which teenagers feel things yeah, I think I think that's, that makes sense. I don't that's disagree. That's a great point, Laura. Yeah. Um 
I think that even at its best attempts to try to have depth is still fairly surface level. So then um, when it glosses over something like that, it probably feels a lot more pronounced when it's like, well, why wasn't this a moment where you tried to have depth, but you're only having it over here? Um, I also think too that for me, I'm not getting a ton here. Um, I think that some of the sort of questions that they're asking each other and those conversations they're having feel familiar, but we've also kind of established that that's fairly few and far between in terms of how the movie usually goes. So a lot of it does feel like a bit of a flight of fancy. Um, that said, like I've said a couple of times, it's a flight of fancy that I was into and I enjoyed, but um, I still recognize that that's like what it is. And um, I, I would figure that most people are probably enjoying it in that capacity. Um, I do wonder, though, if maybe Liam, in the moments where they're talking about like and asking like fairly big questions and not really talking about it in a way that like teenagers might if they're maybe doing that because they're conscious of who the audience is and they're trying to use it as like a teachable moment. Um, I'm oh, thinking, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking yeah. if like, if the conversations about like consent and stuff like that and whether or not people can make their own decisions. Like I think they're doing that most likely just to illustrate to it's young audience that like have these conversations, recognize where lines are, that kind of thing. Um, totally totally and i think uh i think the reason i liked those bits is because it was close enough to the kind of movies that i like that i was able to be into it but you're right uh, if they went any deeper than that and still uh you know if they went deeper than that in those scenes but still kept the movie on the outside the way it was it would be very confusing and uh would would fit even less you know so i think uh I think it's it's better that they that they just went as far as they did. Yeah, I think that's horrible. I think, and I think for us on this podcast especially, I think it's great to finally watch a high school movie where people aren't keeping some kind of weird fucked up score of something. Um, that's true. We yeah, get a we lot of that, and it sucks. So it's nice to see like such a nice, pleasant high school in one of these fucking movies for once. Um, <laughs> and I think we've kind of established here that maybe we, I don't know if we agree on this, but like it's a, it's a decent quarantine watch but maybe not much beyond that <laughs> yeah yeah totally do we recommend it for a group then rather than an individual experience because it sounds like i'm the odd man out here in a how i watched this so you... i feel like i would recommend it for either like it's it's fun for different reasons like if you were to watch in a group it's totally so much fun to make fun of um if you're watching it with people and then i guess it can still just kind of like be nice. Like what you were saying, Corey, yeah. like if you just watch it on your own, it's, it does make you feel however unrealistic and ridiculous it is. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Sometimes so I think sometimes you're just stressed and your life is in ruins and you just need to watch yeah. some teenagers have a good time. Sometimes, sometimes there's a global pandemic and you just need to watch a teen movie where there isn't one. To all the boys I've loved before, P.S. I'm grateful you were here during the pandemic. Yeah, it's kind of weird that the filmmakers actually predicted this pandemic happening. It's in the movie. It's really weird. They came out in time. Everyone's yeah, in surgical masks. They just sort of knew. Yeah. I wonder if that was in the book or did they like add that themselves? I don't know, but someone has their finger on the pulse. Someone knew something we didn't know. <laughs> 
Um, well, I think uh, I think with that, I think we're in a good spot to uh, maybe wrap up our quarantine spectacular episode of They Made Another One. Is that a fucked up thing to say? <laughs> uh, either way, thank you once again for listening. It would just imply that there's not going to be more quarantine spectaculars. I, and, think, uh, I think many of our next episodes will be quarantine spectaculars. Yeah, so the first of many quarantine spectaculars. I don't think that's fucked up. I mean. Uh, sometimes in a quarantine, you need to uh, lighten things up with movies like this and the word spectacular. So let's yeah, do it. and I hope uh, our podcast can help do that. Um, real quick, I would like to thank Laura for coming back. It's always super fun to have you, and I'm grateful that we could talk about a movie that was a bit lighter this time around. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. I love chatting with you guys and hearing what you think about movies for like an hour and a half because I don't do that enough. I at most talk about a movie for like 20 minutes. So yeah. this is always really really nice and a treat to get to do awesome you're welcome to come back whenever you want laura can have a little podcast as a treat whenever it comes up (laughs) (laughs) uh, i'd like to thank everybody again for listening to another episode of they made another one uh you can find us all over the internet on twitter at they made another all one word on anchor spotify apple and google Podcasts, stitcher breaker and everything else as they made another one you can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and whether you're Team Peter or Team John Ambrose. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallo. And Laura, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at, I think, Laura... ATH13, pretty sure. And then letterboxed at Laura underscore ATH. Cool. And you can find me on Twitter as usual at Mr. Corey Price. And from the sounds of it, we will be back uh, next week with another quarantine spectacular episode of They Made Another One.